0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 96 of the Positively Pro Wrestling Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Fountas, and with me is my storyline brother, not real-life brother, Jeff. Say hello.
1: (laughs) What's going on over there, Steve?
0: That, of course, is Jeff from the Fully Posable Podcast. I totally gimmick infringed and stole his intro from his show at the Fully Posable Podcast. And he's a special guest this week because we're going to have some fun and spread some good vibes and talk about one of our favorite wrestlers of all time. If you want to support our show, head to whatmaneuver.net, pick up a t-shirt. You can follow us on Twitter at PPW Podcast. We are positively processing podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher. Wherever you get your favorite podcast from, we'll feed into that. And if you want to send us a long note, DM on Twitter is the best, or you can do PPW Podcast at gmail.com. You can follow our guest, Jeff, and his brother, Scott, at Fully Posable. They are the Fully Posable Podcast. They also have t-shirts, whatamaneuver.net and Pro Wrestling Tees, support them, send them a few bucks their way. And I'm sure you need to I'm sure you've listened heard them before if you've heard our show. If not, if you're not a figure collector, it's fun to listen. I wasn't really into collecting when I started listening to them a couple years ago, but then I kind of got dragged in, but I'm pulling myself out slowly and like making weird rules for myself, which we'll get into maybe later with you. Um, <laughs> but follow those guys, Jeff, at fully posable. How's it going, Jeff?
1: It's going good, man. You just did my job for me. I'm I'm kicking back and putting my feet up for the rest of the show.
0: Yeah, you know, we have two host drivers here, and it's usually difficult when that happens, but we'll make it work. <laughs> we will make it work. So, all right, so this week's show, uh, this was a topic I had on my kind of checklist of topics to do for a while, and it never came up, and this came up because, one, I know Jeff is a big fan of him, and I am, too. We're going to talk all things Brett the Hitman Hart, Jeff, any initial thoughts on Brett the Hitman Hart? When did you first become a Hitman fan?
1: First time I ever became a Hitman fan was basically 80... It was when the Hart Foundation turned good, or I should say they kind of did that face turn after WrestleMania 4. Yeah. But before, I hated them. Now, I don't know about you over there, but man, I hated them because they were going up against the Bulldogs. Mm -hmm. And my favorite tag team... In WWF at that time in that era was the Bulldogs. So the Hart Foundation going up against the Bulldogs constantly, I was always rooting for the Bulldogs and just hated the Hart Foundation. I hated Jimmy Hart. I hated the megaphone, even though you got one signed, <laughs> you know, over no, a Starcast.
0: I didn't get I, I did not get the megaphone sign. I got the Hart Foundation VHS sign. And I'll tell that story in a second about meeting Jimmy Hart. But but you were saying about you hated them at first. So for me, when Bret Hart was a tag team wrestler, I mm-hmm. kind of worked backwards to find his way because I became a full-time weekly watcher like ninety ninety one. So the end of the Hart Foundation, right when Bret started his singles, singles run after WrestleMania 7. So for me, I was always a Bret Hart fan. I always thought he was cool. And ironically, my older sister, when I would rent the tapes, she thought Bret Hart was cute. So she allowed me to watch Bret Hart matches from time to time. But it was, I don't know, it was something that drew him to me. I think it might have been the gear, the initial thing, because he kind of stood out from everybody else with the pink and black.
1: Absolutely, he did. And the sunglasses. And then he had the slick hair, like the, I think Bobby the Brain Heenan used to say it was a grease ball or something like that. Or mm-hmm. it, it, He just had that look like, this dude is cool. I'm rooting from, for him here on out.
0: Yeah, I think, like I said, when he be- when he became that single star right after WrestleMania seven. Speaking of WrestleMania seven, I was super pissed when the Hart Foundation lost to the Nasty Boys. Like to me, that was unfathomable. Like That's I wasn't. Same. Did you watch that pay per view live with your brother at home, or did you get to see it like later on at the, on the tape?
1: Sure did. We watched it live. Uh, parents had a way of getting pay per views. Okay. I should say. <laughs> I'll just leave it at that. Okay.
0: Okay. <laughs> So you guys watched it. You're a big Bret Hart fan. You guys are Heart Foundation fans. Like the nasty boys of all people beating the Heart Foundation. Like that's, I couldn't even believe it.
1: It was shocking. I mean, little did we know they were basically transitional championship or champions over to LOD. Yeah. But you're right. Nasty's beating the Heart Foundation. You're like, no, you know, they just beat Demolition just a few months ago. They, they're not supposed to lose to the nasty boys. Well, yeah. Yeah, yeah we for know. sure
0: for sure and i've gone back and before we get into his singles run we'll get we got a whole list of topics with Brett here but the initial his his tag run i went i went backwards i would find him on the vhs tapes on the compilations like super tape and best of Saturday nights main event and all these other uh and, and pay-per-views obviously like SummerSlam versus demolition and and their and all their matches back in the day when you started cuz you were watching week to week at the time correct when did they kind of transition to being your favorite tag team right like you, you said right after they kind of turned good and you kind of were all in on the heart foundation
1: i was all in so it was as i said it was watching week to week and you saw brett and jim and they're facing the bulldogs and they're facing the killer bees and they're bad guys and you're just like oh i can't stand these guys you know they were the annoying a-hole tag team you're just like go away you know mm-hmm. it's like that bug in your ear and you're just like go away i can't stand you and all of a sudden it's like after they do face turn and you're like, Okay, I'm all in on these guys. These guys are great. And they were my favorite tag team. Not demolition. Demolition was cool. But it was the Heart Foundation. They had the look. Brett would get out and drop his sunglasses on some some mm-hmm. kid in the front row. You know, and it was cool how Jim would take the sunglasses off of Brett in the corner. Yeah. It was just they they connected so well as a tag team. I'm that glad they you br- just drew you in.
0: I'm glad you brought up the hard Jim the taking off the sunglasses because that's like a thing I just forgot about. Till you brought it up, and then I'm like, oh man, that was such a good touch because they mm-hmm. were like they were a tag team, and I mentioned his gear already. Them having the pink and the black and sticking out and the sunglasses, it was like my fantasy dream to have Brett put the shades on me. Like, and I was at a house <laughs> show, I was at a house show one time, and we weren't we weren't in the front row, but like when he came out, I think he was facing. I don't even remember who it might have been Steve Austin at the house show I went to, and we all like bum rushed the barricade. And like, he like I thought he made eye contact with me, but it turned out it was the kid next to him, like, and that was actually in the front row. So, uh-huh. like, that was like my crushing blow dream of not getting the, the shades put on me.
1: <laughs> oh. uh, it must have killed you, too, huh?
0: It did, but, you know, what's ironic is I've never gotten back and bought in a pair, but because mm-hmm. the ones he sells now aren't the same that he wore back in the day. Like If you look at them Correct. closely, they're not the same. So stuff like that will bug me, and I'm sure it will bug you too if you were to have like an off-brand Hitman sunglasses. We'll oh, talk about his, com- his merch too. Uh-huh. So his, okay, so his tag team career, he's got, he's got all these awesome matches, and for, I, we'll talk about some individual matches that are our favorites. This is just kind of an overview we're starting off with. When his initial singles run happened, his first big push, obviously, was his match with Mr. Perfect at SummerSlam 91, and SummerSlam 91 was one of my favorite pay-per-views ever.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And and that match really made it like, okay, because I was still a Hogan guy, because Hogan was still there in 91. Hogan was my number one, and I was like, I think I got a new number two, and it was Bret Hart. So for me, that's when I was like, okay, I'm in on Bret Hart.
1: same over here. Is When he started his singles run, there it was kind of like, okay, that's the end of the Hart Foundation I'm all in on Bret Hart going singles. Mm-hmm. And I I was all in. I was like as you just said, Hogan was my guy, but Bret Hart, I'm I'm all in. I'm following his career. I want to see what happens. Now, rumor is originally it was supposed to be Davey to face Mr. Perfect at SummerSlam 91, and I'm huh. not sure what happened to Davey. And I but I mean, he kicked off the show yeah. in that six-man tag. But originally, what we heard was is that Davey was supposed to get that push against Perfect at 91, and they subbed in Bret Hart.
0: So my timelines may be off here, but I think there was a rumor that he was negotiating with WCW at the time. So they were kind of worried of him leaving so they didn't want to put it on them. I know there was a time that happened. I, he talked about it in his book, and he talked about it other times where they they reached out to him or whatever, and I think in past – uh, observer Newsletter's bouncer noted like the negotiations are more serious and everyone wants to lead on um, mm-hmm. but I do know he was talking initially in like 91 or something like that to kind of test his worth or whatever because at the time you know he had this tag run and he wasn't sure where they're going to push him in singles turns out they did and they kind of made him the face of the company um, mm-hmm. and it's interesting too, looking back and you you've watched matches today and over the past couple of days as have I like Brett the person he's not larger than life in these landed giants The WWF was. He wasn't 6'8", he wasn't 300 pounds, but he still had a presence about him, and I can't put my finger quite on what it is. I don't know if you have something that you can gravitate to, or he just has some kind of it factor to gravitate you towards him.
1: I think it's just the look. I think it yeah. was that look, the glasses, the pink and black. He, as you said, he stood out, mm-hmm. and there was just this present. When he walked out, there was this aura of confidence and as we both have said, that's my guy. Yeah. This you're, you're, is the guy I'm going to follow. This is the guy that – this is this is him. So let's yeah. go. Let's. I'm looking forward to this match. I know I'm going to be entertained for the next few. So that's where I was at on Brett.
0: Yeah. And I don't know about, about you, but as I grew older and like I've looked back at his matches, I appreciate them so much more now. When I was a kid, I'm like, oh, he's just a good guy. I love him. But now he just – so many little things – like, man, he's so much better than everybody else out there. And, at that t- uh, go ahead.
1: Oh, sorry. At, at that time, Brett, Savage, Steamboat, Dynamite Kid, those guys were so ahead of their time. Ricky Martin you can throw in there as well. Oh, miss, uh,
0: Mr. Mister Rock and Roll Express mark on the line here. Okay.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but he, those guys were so ahead of their time. In the Land of Giants, where you had Bundy squashing a guy and, you know, splashing him and then do the count of five and gimmick mm-hmm. there and all that stuff, these guys, were their work rate was just insane. What we were watching in the 80s at that time was something else. And Brett said it in his video or his uh, DVD that came out in 06. You know, pe- Hogan may have had the headline, but when people left the show that night, they were always talking about the Bulldogs and the Hearts yeah as the best match
0: yeah i think i actually watched brett's dvd today um, as kind of a refresher about some of the stuff just an overview of his career and his dvd is pretty good i kind of wish they'd do another one with a little more in depth than they did um Mm -hmm. but one thing he talked about not in that dvd but a different one the one with uh, Shawn michaels the greatest rivalries where they do a sit down with jr Mm -hmm. bret hart talks about the match the famous match from the Hart foundation and the rockers where the top rope broke off Yes, And Brett was said, he was like, I remember everyone was so excited for that match. He goes, Earthquake came up to me that day saying, hey, we're going to stay and watch your match. He's like, everyone was so pumped. And when that top rope broke, like you can't have a match with it. And no one knew what to do. That's like so disappointing. We didn't get this definitive Rockers-Heart Foundation match. That's kind of the one regret I have with the Heart Foundation tag team going back to them.
1: But why didn't they ever go back and revisit it? Like Vince just had a change of heart like, eh, we're going to split up the Rockers or Mm – it it could have
0: been it could have been i know the rockers were troublemakers in the time and maybe he's like you know what i can't trust these guys they're going to embarrass me what i don't get is it wasn't live they could have stopped the match got a new rope retightened it did whatever and then restarted and edited the tape later but everyone just stood there and Correct. that's just one of those just one of those things you know what are you going to do
1: going back to their heel run or their original tag team run at I- it frustrated me and it angered me so much when they beat the bulldogs but little did we know that dynamite had a hurt back at the time so mm-hmm. that's why dynamite laid on the outside of the ring for six minutes yeah well davy just got the beat down from the hearts but i remember th- watching that when it happened and i was downstairs at the parents house and i'm like how's davy gonna do this and then when the hearts pinned him i was like this is I can't. I can't even with wrestling. I have to turn off the TV. <laughs> I ended up walking away because I was so infuriated.
0: Uh huh. Well, that's that's what's the funny thing when you have a guy like Brett became our guy. He, you get like so into it, and you're, even when you, especially when you're a kid, even when you're a little bit older, you're like, oh, I just want him to do well so so bad. You want him to do so so well, and he they get screwed. You get so ticked off. It's just funny how wrestling does that to you.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely.
0: I'm sure you've got plenty of stories. What was the WrestleMania four story? You can tell that real quick Were you made a bit upset. You might've had oh, a little tantrum.
1: Really? You're going to throw that on here? <laughs> you, you know, for everyone, I,
0: I, people have heard your show before. People have heard my show before. And there, for for loyal listeners of both of our shows that have heard everything, so there's going to be a couple repeats on here, but that's okay. Some stories are worth retelling. So let's hear this story of a young Jeff. And since I didn't know you when you were that young, I just pictured the person I know I know now, but Minnie. So I'm going to picture mm-hmm. many you telling the story of of what happened at WrestleMania 4, the what was it the closed circuit uh, show you, you and Scott went to,
1: closed circuit at the Oakland Coliseum, I'm sitting on the end of the row, mom sitting next to me or dad sitting next to me then Scott and then mom mm-hmm. and we're watching it and they they drop down this huge projector screen yeah. And we're sitting there, and I'm thinking Strike Force isn't going to lose the titles now again, Strike Force was my tag team, you know <laughs> and I'm like, they're not going to lose the titles, but this demolition team is so good and I'm like, ah oh, they're not going to lose the titles well, sure enough, Fuji's cane get used on Rick Martel and Strikeforce drops the belt to demolition and I'm sitting there and I'm like, this Tunny has to come out and reverse this decision. he obviously saw the cane in the back and now he has to make the right call. <laughs> And I'm sitting there, and I'm like, "Why isn't Tony coming out?" Then the realization, as Demolition celebrates with the titles, because they just pinned Martel, mm-hmm. that Strike Force just lost the belts, and then the waterworks start up in me. And I and Scott's looking around, our dad, and mm-hmm. he's laughing at me because he's a huge Demolition fan. Oh God! And oh. I'm like, that makes things worse. So I think I got up and like went and dad came with me to get up in the uh, mezzanine or something like that to get a hot dog or something or to get a soda. No, it, it, was... hold
0: on. It was definitely a hot dog to, for you,
1: buddy. touche, <laughs> touche. Well done. But it was just that I, I, I was so disappointed. Like it kind of ruined the rest of the show for me. Scott was, he was a static demolition one. Macho won the heavyweight title that night. Scott was ecstatic. He was kicking back his feet up. He was loving every minute and oh. I, that just ruined the night for me.
0: Oh, you couldn't even get into the Macho Man winning the title. You were still so upset about Strike I was still Force so Lee. upset,
1: dude. It just ruined the show, you know.
0: <laughs> you are the only one that upset. So I will say, if <laughs> if Rick Martel ever gets inducted into the Hall of Fame, Tito Santana has to run up and attack him because that feud went on forever.
1: <laughs> oh, it has to. Or Tito has to induct him and then yeah. as he's coming out has to hit him with the flying forearm.
0: Yes, yes. Or as uh Bobby Heenan called it, the flying jalapeno. <laughs> he like to call? All right, let's get let's get back into breath that was off topic but that's okay um we've talked a little bit about his matches and his match and how good he was and i mentioned his dvd earlier so i've got it out in front of me here so this gives you an idea of he can make anybody look good and listen to the different opponents here he's got ted dibiase bam bam bigelow mr perfect um owen hart hakushi diesel the British Bulldog, Steve Austin, Undertaker, Yokozuna—like, there's that's all over the map, and all of those matches are good and entertaining. Like, I can't. Shawn Michaels is the only other guy I can think of that makes almost anybody he's in the ring with look way better than they are. But yes. that's just that's just so crazy how this. Like, you would think oh, Bret Hart versus Bam Bam Bigelow match is going to be garbage, but that King of the Ring final was amazing.
1: It, it was the King of the Ring was just so epic because. Brett never won any of those matches against Razor, Perfect, or Bigelow with the sharpshooter. He mm-hmm. beat each one of them with a different move. Perfect with the small package, Razor he, uh, Razor went to do a backdrop from the second rope, and Brett reversed it, and then the victory roll to beat Bigelow. That's what made Brett so unique is he didn't have to finish anybody off with a sharpshooter. He mm-hmm. That was his finishing move, and that's what he was, he was known for is for his finishing move. But he was able to win a match another way. For example, when he beat Piper at WrestleMania 8. Yes. And did the same thing with Stone Cold at Survivor Series 96. He did the Mm -hmm. foot on the turnbuckle kickback deal. But it it was so interesting how he was able to win a match in so many different ways other than the sharpshooter.
0: Yeah, that's true. And I love the, the finish he did twice, with both with Piper and with Austin. Did you happen to see the broken skull sessions Austin did with Bret Hart this, this week on the network?
1: Yeah, sure did.
0: Okay, and I loved when they were looking back at the matches, and after the Austin-Bret uh, Hart match from Survivor Series 96, Austin's like, look here, I blew you up. And you could see Bret say, oh, <laughs> because <gasps> he drops it up. He was so exhausted. I loved that. And Bret, like, <laughs> no-sold it. He's like, eh, it was off for a couple months. He, like, no-sold it. Wouldn't put Austin over. I loved it.
1: <laughs> that's brett for you
0: did you ever waver from the time from Hart foundation to the time he retired did you ever waver did you ever like turn away from brett If as being a fan of his even in like his no. 97 heel run no you're still with him
1: no let me ask you was he technically a heel well
0: i mean in the i'm an american so yes he was a heel
1: <laughs> <laughs> but in canada
0: that's true and any, all over the world actually
1: yes he the thing was, is all over the world, he was this big, ultra baby face. But in America, he was this dastardly heel that just kept crapping on the states and everything. In fact, what was the—oh, uh, he did a promo one time where he said he, if there was—he was, was going to stick an enema in the United States.
0: Yeah, it'd be right here in New Jersey or something.
1: Yeah, Pittsburgh, Philadelphia, one of the two. <laughs> yeah,
0: well, some of the, somewhere out east, right? <laughs> yeah. That
1: was one of my favorite uh, promos that Brett did when he was a heel.
0: So I did waver as a Bret Hart fan. So there's a new guy that came around in 95, 96 named Shawn Michaels. New <laughs> And, guy. Uh, and uh, I would say a new guy into the main event scene. And I may have been uh, drawn to him as a junior high kid, this uh, boy <laughs> toy, and sides were drawn with my friends. It was you are a Bret fan or you are Michaels fan. So we, we picked Shawn because it all came to a head at WrestleMania 12 when yeah. we all went to my buddy's house for the pay-per-view. And this Iron Man match, which we had no idea what it was going to be, it was like sides were drawn at the pay per view party at my buddy's house. We're all having like you know (laughs) spaghetti or something for dinner, his mom made for us in his room, watching this. And I'll never forget after they had the overtime. We'll get to that match because I want to talk about that match specifically later. Uh, When it got to that overtime, people on the Bret Hart side, there was two of them, were like saying he won, he won. The match is over. It's a draw. Bret Hart's still the champion. And then when months or it was monsoon or piper came out
1: for monsoon. the overtime
0: yeah for the overtime we were like yep. oh hell yeah michaels is gonna win now and the uh, michaels hits the super kick for the second time the place blew up and yep. i stayed away from brett f- uh t- pretty much up until after he left wcw and i looked back i was like man he was so good and what was i thinking turning my back on the hitman <laughs> <laughs> but that was the only time i, I wavered on brett because sean mike Shawn michaels is my number one of all time he still is uh-huh. for a a, marry- a bunch of reasons but Brett's got a, as I've learned to appreciate him, I have a special relationship with Brett, I would say.
1: (laughs) I remember one time Scott was ready to punch me in the face because I was so afraid Brett was going to go to WCW. Remember when he had that break between WrestleMania and Survivor Series? He had that break. And... Jim Ross kept oh I've got update on Bret Hart. Is he leaving? You know, mm-hmm. call one nine hundred so and so. So I was calling and of course Jim Ross. You was called the away, hotline the bad-
0: oh, you're the only person I know who's ever called the WWF hotline. That's amazing. Oh dude,
1: we got some heat with the parents on that one because we racked up their phone bill, but that's a whole different story. <laughs> but uh <laughs> your poor parents finding hot dogs under
0: your bed, Let's console <laughs> you cry and
1: uh, phone oh, dude, bills. You don't- you don't know what these parents went through with us kids, man. But that's going to be a future
0: <laughs> show. I'm going to have both of you guys on. We're going to. It's going to be called the Tune, the Tune Stories of Growing Up and Your Poor Parents. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right, done deal. All right, but, but go on, go on. We we racked up the phone bill because we were trying to figure out what was going on with Brett. Is he leaving? Is he staying? What's going on? And of course, Jim Ross was so so vague about it. He was just like, "Oh man." Brett hasn't signed that extension yet, you know, blah, blah, blah. Brett's going to be on Raw this week. Oh, wait, no, he's not. So we wasted like four or five bucks each phone call Mm -hmm. trying to figure out what was going on with Brett. So I was bugging Scott all summer in 96. Scott, what's going on with Brett? Do you think he's leaving? And I would ask him that constantly all summer long i didn't have anything to do i didn't have school yeah and scott's like okay dude you need to shut up right now because i'm about to punch you in the face if you ever ask me again
0: (laughs) (laughs) amazing yeah (laughs) and then he's got that famous promo on raw he's like i'll be here forever and then vince is like well all right he's at the announce table i'll never forget vince's well all right clapping his hands like he didn't know (laughs) right that's so weird Um, like Brett's got a million uh, interviews and promos and things like that. There's two that stick out for me. One is that one, and this other one is, like, not consequential, but the, it was right after his USA heel turn. It must have been in maybe Edmonton or somewhere in Canada for sure. And he was like, thank you for letting me be your hero. I'll never forget <laughs> him saying hero because he said it's so Canadian, and I loved it.
1: Yep, yep.
0: I think I cut you off. What were you going to say?
1: Oh, no, what I was going to say is – just kind of wanted to go back. Do you know that his name was actually spelled with two T's? What when he first debuted in WWF? If you go back and watch some of those old old matches, mm-hmm. it was B R E T T Hart.
0: Okay. And is I it,
1: just thought I thought that was so weird. Is that, that, they that his way a T?
0: But is his real name B R E T? And like I WWF thought, added one.
1: I thought it was B R E T.
0: You know, there's probably one person in the world who cares about this, and it's you because you have one F instead of two. <laughs> you're, you're very concerned about it.
1: <laughs> Don't you call me out on that.
0: <laughs> I'm sure you correct people all the time with that. But, you know, I do remember us everyone's whether would be assigned in the crowd with two T's, and I'd be like, you spelled Bret Hart wrong, you fools. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: It's the little nuances that would always get us regard- just regarding wrestling fans. Like, we can pick up on something like that, so minuscule. Mm-hmm. And if we see something, we're like, wait a second, that just changed. We can't do that. Like, for example, WWE will drop the person's first name. Yeah. And he'll just be Almas or Andrade. Mm -hmm. And it's like, wait a second. No, hold on. We need Almas on there. It's like, why?
0: (laughs) We got to add them all. And that's, Mm -hmm. that's a separate rant for me. Like when WWF or, I'm sorry, WWE or whoever, any wrestling company does like Super basic, broad storylines. We're like, no, wrestling fans pay attention to everything. You could put details. We will catch them. Don't worry. Put them in there. Oh. We'll catch them.
1: Oh, we are quick on the draw on that one, man.
0: That's probably why we both like Brett so much and why wrestling fans do so much because he'll do like little things like when he sells, like he's got the hair down in his face. His mouth is like gaping open, like, oh, like that hurts so bad. And yep. that was just, he did the little things so well. Yeah. Uh, 100%. Let's get into some of our favorite of his matches. We've briefly touched on a couple. I'll let you start. What's some of your favorite of his matches? You could start singles or tag, whichever one you want. Then we'll kind of go back and forth.
1: Well, his run with the Bulldogs is always stuff that you just kind of admire because it was stuff you were seeing at that time was just so amazing between those two teams. And obviously they had the Calgary connection going on, and they already kind of had these matches up there. But what we were seeing on – WWF against these two on Saturday night's main event or whatever it may be it was just amazing because you just sat there in awe of these two teams going at it where you had Anvil the muscle going up against Davey Boy the muscle also and then what Bret and Dynamite were doing it's just so amazing but if you want to go into singles career the match with Austin at WrestleMania 13 mm-hmm. is one of my top two favorite matches three favorite matches of all time
0: I'd say it's true for a lot of people, and you're going right to the right to the high spot with that one. That's that's it is. It's got it, everything.
1: It, it does, man. And what I love is in Brett's book. You've read Brett's book,
0: right? I think twice. Yeah.
1: Yeah, when he keeps the blade up between his upper lip and his gums the mm-hmm. whole match until he or until he gets thrown out, and then he's laying out there and he spits out the blade. Yep. And the cameraman catches it. And he goes, oh, nope, and he goes right back to Austin in the ring because you see mm-hmm. Brett spit out this white thing. Well, it's yeah. the blade to covered up. But it's the little nuances in that match, the storytelling, how both wrestlers flipped roles. It's amazing. That match just had everything be- from top to bottom. It was fantastic, and it's still my favorite Mania match of all time.
0: And I think sometimes with that match in particular, get gets some hyperbole going. Everyone's like, eh, we've heard about that over and over again, but it really is that good. And like Brett, even Brett talks about it. And I rewatched it recently too. He does get a really good reaction when he comes out. It's not like people were like, eh, we're not sure about this Brett. So this heel turns not that big of a deal. Like they were ready to cheer Brett. Like people were in, it. in Chicago, which is technically like a smarky city. People mm-hmm. were in on the Hitman, And yeah. it was, it was great. And, Ken Shamrock being there added a little more to it, you know, being a legitimate fighter, he'd be the only one there to take care of these guys. And Brett talked about in his interview with Austin recently how, like, he was really annoyed that they made a submission match. He goes, you know, he's like, submission matches are tough because there's no false finishes, you know, and that Mm -hmm. takes half of your drama to your match. But they made everything count, and the match started off as soon as the bell rang. It went bell to bell, never stopped. And of course, everyone knows the famous Austin pushing out of the Sharpshooter with his blood dripping down his face. But that, that match is so much more than that. And I feel like sometimes people think that's all that match is. So if you haven't watched in a while and for some weird reason you've never seen it, go back, WrestleMania 13, Brett versus Austin. It's probably my number two Mania match of all time. I go back and forth between that and Undertaker Michaels won at WrestleMania 25. I go right. back and forth. And it probably 25 probably puts me over the edge because I was there. Um, but back and forth, they're just so tight with how good they are back and with and, the, with the those two matches.
1: And also watch the match with Steve and Brett on the network, because I love the little nuances. Like Brett puts the bell on the apron mm-hmm. and he, that's basically going to come back into play later on in the match. They don't use it right away. It's like a table spot. Like you'll, they'll set up a table, but they don't use it right away. Mm-hmm. And you see that in a lot of matches nowadays, but you know Bretts talks about getting thrown out of the ring and he gets thrown out on the wrong side and then he has to adjust himself to get back where the bell is already laid. So yeah. it's just little little things like that that Brett put into his book that had me hooked. I loved Brett's book. The first 100 pages uh yeah, him talking do...
0: about the the wrestling bear and you know stampede and all that you're like okay, whatever. Let's get to you wrestling.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. But then you know he talks about Wembley Stadium and against Davy boy that was that was another match where you're watching it and you're like yeah Davy is so blown up right here because he just got back from a suspension if I'm not mistaken with Anvil he got in trouble doing some uh well
0: doing some stuff well the famous famous line is is I'm fucked is what Bulldog says to Brett <laughs> that's the famous line Mr. I'm fucked Mr. Hitman it's right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's the, that's the famous line but no he was off with like a knee injury and in his book, Brett, Brett calls like Diana, and she goes, oh, Davey's off smoking crack with the anvil with Jim <laughs> Neidart. You're like, oh, my God, who writes that down in a book? But Brett was Brett. honest, man. Exactly. Brett can't help himself. We'll definitely get into Brett can't help himself later. Uh, but, yeah, the famous line is the first headlock. Davey goes, I'm fucked. And, <laughs> and so that makes even more impressive that Brett led that entire match. Mm-hmm that and 92 as, match
1: and as many times as brett had to carry the match against bulldog and then he had to do it against yoko he was such a professional and when i say yoko against yoko at wrestlemania nine yoko yeah. was blown up in that match in vegas mm-hmm. but at the same time brett was such a professional he could get guys through a match like he did with Davey and like he did with yoko
0: Hmm. So I've got a note here that I wrote down. So I didn't. I didn't really realize after I was writing it. So Brett has a phenomenal record of having a great match and a great rematch with the same guy, like later down the line. And one example is the Bulldog at ninety-two, amazing match. But also his in-your-house match ninety-five against the Bulldog. Is an amazing match where that's where Brett gets really bloodied at a time where blood was not allowed in the WWF, yep. and it, it was actually in Philadelphia. And that's right when ECW was l- rumbling a little bit. Right. And as soon I watched that match today, and as soon as Brett starts bleeding, the crowd starts chanting, "He's hardcore! He's hardcore!" <laughs> so that's <laughs> oh, I awesome. Love Philadelphia. And then his his match with Mister Perfect 91's awesome. I think his match in, at the ninety three King of the Ring with Perfect is better than their ninety one SummerSlam match. That's just me. Uh, then we've got his match with Diesel in 94, King of the Ring. Then the rematch in 95, he actually had two, one at the Rumble, but the that 95 Survivor Series was amazing. Yep. Austin in 96 Survivor Series and and then WrestleMania 13 again. So And even Michaels, obviously the Iron Man match, but also he had the Survivor Series 92 match when they're both younger, which is a great yep. match. So he's, he's got this record of, and neither match is the same either. So he, it's a good job by him of changing it up a little bit, but still making it compelling.
1: Oh, absolutely. And he did the same thing with Owen. Um, yeah. I loved his WrestleMania 10 match against Owen. Now, a lot of people say that cage match at SummerSlam 94, mm-hmm. they they love it. They say it's the greatest cage match of all time. I disagree. That is probably my least favorite Bret Hart match in That's- WWE. I should say... In WCW, that was a whole different ballgame. <laughs> oh, but we're just
0: not gonna talk about that today.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, actually, I should go back. The kiss my foot match against Lawler. Eh, okay, whatever. But right, I wasn't a fan of that cage match. Now we we're talking about all of his, you know, great matches that he had, and he and he had a ton. But I was not a fan of that cage match at SummerSlam. I just thought it was boring.
0: Was it the? Was it because it was forty-two minutes? Because that could something to do with it?
1: it. The pacing of it was just too too slow.
0: Yeah, he's got, I think I have it in front of me, so he's got another cage match he did. It was I think it was, it might have been actually with Michaels, where it was a unique cage match. It's actually, I think, on their Grace rivalries DVD set. It was like a house show or maybe a home video exclusive where the match was the entire time both guys are just trying to escape the cage, which is the point of the match. So it was a super unique thing they did. So it's worth checking out on the Grace Rivalries DVD, the Michaels versus Hart in the Cage Match. So that's a good Cage Match for you to check out with Brett.
1: Interesting. Uh, I, actually, you know what? I've never seen that one. W- what was the time frame?
0: It was, you know what? I'll have to check. I don't want to stop recording here, but I'll I'll check at it. I could look it up for. while well, you're we're checking it really quick. But I do know they had it. And it, like I said, it must have been a uh, home video exclusive. But I'll look it up real quick here. Uh, so those are some. Those aren't all of my favorites. Those are some of them. Any other standout uh, tag matches you've had for the Hart Foundation, or even let's talk about them as the Hart Foundation in '97. How about that Canadian Stampede match they had against oh, that, Austin that was amazing. Shamrock? Yeah, it was Austin Shamrock, Goldust, Ahmed, and LOD, right?
1: Oh yeah, and it was amazing. And against Pillman, Bulldog, Owen, Brett, and uh, Jim ne- Jim Neidhart, it was an amazing match. I mean, it was just the the energy of the crowd bled through the tv and it hooked you yeah and you couldn't turn it off
0: well and again that's one where you're watching it and there's like a rumbling before brett comes out like people were ready for him to come out and the pop just went through the roof and then i loved how owen got the win and the place blew up for it and pulse matched the whole heart foundations there you could see like natalia and like i think tyson kids in the ring too it's just awesome I'm looking up here the uh the match the match listing for the Michaels versus Bret Hart DVD Blu-ray set for anybody that wants to get it. It is, well there's the ladder, the famous ladder match that Bret Hart apparently or Michaels apparently stole from Bret Hart as everyone likes to say. <laughs> here it is. St- steel cage match, Bret versus Shawn Michaels, December 1st, 93. Go check that out. It might have made its way to the network, but if not it's on the greatest rivalries uh DVD Blu-ray set. It's a great cage match for people looking to check out like a a hidden gem I'd say for Bret Hart.
1: Okay. Yeah, I'm definitely checking that out. I've, you know, what's funny is I always watch the stories on those Blu-rays, and I mm-hmm. never go back and watch the matches.
0: So with me and like wrestling DVD sets, I'm kind of I, I was the same, but now I find myself watching the matches because on the network sometimes it's a little bit like Netflix where I get lost. I'm like, I don't know what to pick. So I just end up scrolling for thirty minutes. Right. Whereas I pop the disc in, it's like I want to watch Brett matches. So I pop the disc in and I watch the 15 Brett matches or 10 around there. So I suggest people go back if they have their old wrestling DVD collection. Yes, everything's on the network, but it's, sometimes it's easier for me. It's less str- less stressful, as funny as that sounds. And I'm less tempted to to hit the back button. Like, this match is starting slow. I'm going to give up. I'm less mm-hmm. tempted to do that. So, And with Brett matches, that's important because he's a big storyteller.
1: So going back to the story of Michaels and Brett, yeah. I was at WrestleMania twelve. Okay, good. Let's hear
0: let's hear it. So you're there, you got tickets. You would you go with your brother, your family who, who went with you? What was the store what was the background? Bring me there. Bring me to Anaheim.
1: So we just drove down there for the day. We originally planned to go to Disneyland and make it like a couple day trip, but then uh, we realized we didn't have the funds for a hotel mm-hmm. room and tickets to Disneyland and all that stuff because the yeah. parents usually pay for that. Sure. So we were kinda like, okay, tickets to <clears throat> WrestleMania and then we're driving back. So it was trip down there, trip back. So the whole time I'm thinking Brett's not dropping the belt, but Michaels has got all this momentum. And Brett talks about it in his DVD. Yeah. They make Michaels look like a stud, you know. He's he's doing upside down mm-hmm. push ups and you know, Brett's running on ice like an old man. <laughs> you know, you're just kinda like, Oh crap, well, you're right. I'm gonna <laughs> you know? cut,
0: let me cut you off there for real quick because I wanna that's a good point you bring up. So Brett's talked for those who aren't familiar with what we're talking about the montage up to the WrestleMania 12 Iron Man match between Brett and Sean. Sean is literally doing upside-down push-ups. He's boxing in a gym. He's, Jose is training him. He's running stairs. And they film Brett's vignette. He's running on, like, the slippery, icy roads of Calgary. He's uh, struggling to swim. And apparently, Brett doesn't know how to swim in real life based on that footage. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then uh, he's got Stu Hart, has him in holes, who's, like, 80. And Brett's always yep. talked about it. He's like, oh, they make me look like crap. When I was a kid, so in WrestleMania 12, I was in sixth or seventh grade. The way they had built up Stu Hart and WWF world and like the Canada toughness, I I thought Brett's going to win. Like Michaels is here flying around. Brett's just going to beat him down. Like that's what I thought based on those vignettes. So I know Brett thinks that and maybe older people did see that because I could see it now, but through a kid's eyes, I was okay with how they did it because to me, it seemed like Brett was this tough, grizzled vet that no one was going to take down. So, oh, oh, really? Yeah. So that's a different – because you're, I think, like six, five or six years older than me. So not a huge difference, but enough to where the point you're in high school, I'm still in junior high. So it's a little bit different.
1: Right. Yeah, because um, I was thinking – I was like, okay, Sean's this up-and-comer. Mm-hmm. He's, he's fast. He's flashy. Because wrestling still had the realism to me. And <laughs> I kept thinking. I was like, they're not going to put their belt on Sean. Sean can't beat Brett. Brett, like you said, is this grizzled vet. And anyways. Mm-hmm. We get down to Anaheim and the energy through in Anaheim is just through the roof. And we get to our seats and I'm still nervous about this Iron Man match. Mhm. Now, where our seats were is we were on the floor. But we were on the floor 5 rows back from where the wrestlers were entering. So they kind of entered this little side jog and then walked down the aisle. Yeah. So I'm back there and I'm stressing out and we can barely see over over everybody because everybody's standing up and we're all the way back and I was yeah. kind of annoyed, but at the same time, I'm totally invested in this match. Brett hooks Sean in the sharpshooter with like, I think it was like a minute 26 left or something like that. I can't yeah. remember get the time. Cue. Yeah,
0: because because Michael's jumped off the top and Brett caught him.
1: Yep. And Brett didn't let go. And so I'm jumping in my seat like because they said... You know, it's a sixty-minute Iron Man match. There was mm-hmm. no talk of overtime, and this led to a lot of arguments at school, which is funny now. Oh, but yeah, so I'm sitting there, and bell rings, zero-zero tie. There was no, there was never a mention about overtime. So Brett's starting to walk back. I'm I'm in my seat, just jumping up and down. Brett still has the belt. Gorilla Monsoon comes out. Yep. Gorilla Monsoon gets into the ring. Says there has to be overtime. Brett goes into the ring. gorilla Monsoon starts to make his way back during the overtime. I kid you not, I said I was five rows back. I ran down the little aisle that we had to get to to get to our seats where the wrestlers were entering in and out from. I was cursing at gorilla monsoon as he was walking to the back <laughs> and not even paying attention to the overtime uh-huh. i was so I was so focused on cursing out gorilla monsoon. <laughs> He kind of looked at me and then he just got into the back like, okay, this mark, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but I turned around and looked up on the screen right as Sean hit Brett with the second super kick and pinned mm-hmm. him. And I was just devastated right there. And like my whole bubble just burst because I thought Brett had retained.
0: Yeah. And I think, like I said earlier, I was all in on Sean, so I was pumped about it. And look, I've I've gone back and watched the match since then, obviously, since I was a kid. And I've watched it a couple times over the years. And it's a 60-minute match, and it's not nonstop action, but it tells a story throughout the match. And the story was, can Bret Hart keep up with Shawn Michaels? And the answer was, Correct. yes, he could, the entire match. Yep. And it was, it was a great story they told. And it's funny you bring up the debate about the overtime thing. It, it was like the Raw after WrestleMania or whatever it was – brett was out there and he was he did like a pre-tape saying you know i didn't sign up for a, a post-match and i didn't sign up for 61 minutes i signed up for 60 and he goes if it was going to be overtime i wouldn't have let go of the sharpshooter in the first place i would have kept him in there and he would have eventually given up and, and blah 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 i'm like you know what brett makes some damn good points like well yeah yeah brett that's right you wouldn't have given up the sharpshooter
1: he's in the middle of the ring
0: so <laughs> brett had some good points
1: that's logic
0: it is. It is for sure. So that's one of my favorite Bret Hart matches, too, is that Iron Man match one because I have the memory associated with it of watching at my friend's house and smack talk. But uh, <laughs> you got to be there for it. So that's super, super cool. It was awesome. Was that your first mania you guys ended up going to? Actual WrestleMania?
1: That was our very first. $75 oh. <laughs> for a floor ticket.
0: That's nuts. That, that'll get you nosebleeds uh, in today's market. But what are you going to do? That's <laughs> well, if awesome. it's not canceled, yeah. <laughs> Well, you're know, not here to talk about that. We're going to talk about Bret today. Oh, All right. oh, just Just Bret Hart. Just just the hit man. Gotcha. Uh, do, you, do you have any other – I mentioned the one couple hidden gems I had. Do you have any, like, hidden gems matches you can think of that are great Bret Hart matches that maybe aren't always talked about as much? For me, it's always that Bulldog 95 match as well as his uh, that Michael's cage match, two from 93, is a great one.
1: You know what? You kind of skimmed right over it, but he brought out the best in Kevin Nash – he and Nash had magic. And it, it the common denominator is obviously Bret Hart because Nash didn't always have the best matches. Mm-hmm. And it took like a Bret or a Shawn to bring it out in him. So if you go back and you look at a lot of Kevin Nash matches against Bret, you're like, oh, this is a great match. Like you said, the Survivor Series 95. Like, yeah, this is a great match. And you go back and you look at the rest of Kevin Nash matches and you're like, okay they're they're good they're not bad but they're not what i was watching with brett it's kind of like that uh who's the uh guy that vince was all in on and then he got in the ring with brett and he brett made him look like a million bucks what was his name oh, that
0: that's like a famous thing and it's i'm, I'm drawing a blank and uh i mean google you know, it really quick lost matt uh, brett hart you lost you know what's
1: match. funny is is uh brian breaker also says that about cassius ono really brian breaker says yeah it, Cassius Ono can make anyone look like a million bucks. The old saying in wrestling is, Oh, you can wrestle a broomstick and make the broomstick look good. Well, Brian Breaker also says that about Chris Hero. It was ah, Cassius Tom, Ono. Cassius Ohno.
0: Tom McGee. Tom McGee was the guy that Bret Hart made look like a million bucks, which was the story Thank that you. I think Colt Cabana first made that story famous where he looked at and he's like, Oh, this guy's got to be a million bucks. And Bret made him obviously look like that. Yeah. Uh, the, the other Bret Hart Hidden Gem match, speaking of Kevin Nash, Diesel. Their Rage in the Cage match where Undertaker pulled Nash out from the, the uh from the ring. It was a great match too.
1: Fantastic match. again it's Brett. It's the common denominator.
0: I'd be remiss without saying, probably probably want my top Brett match. Like not I know it's not necessarily the best, but all things considered, from the time for me being a fan and like this being right in my head, his match with Roddy Pipe for WrestleMania 8, it's I could watch that match like it's like kind of like comfort food for me, like popping that match on, like all right, like this is on the story they told with that, even like the the pre match promo, and I loved it. It was so great, and the Hoosier Dome atmosphere, and everyone craps on WrestleMania eight, but it's one of my favorites, and that Bret Hart Piper match was incredible.
1: I don't understand why people crap on that WrestleMania.
0: It's because no. Hogan and Flair didn't happen, and like, who cares, you know?
1: Yeah, it's okay. Well, then you can go to WrestleMania eighteen and say. It should have been Austin and Hogan, and you didn't get that match. You got Rock and Hogan, and they still put that match on a pedestal. Like you just said, who cares? You didn't get that match. Everybody wanted the match, Mm -hmm. but you didn't get it, so let's just enjoy WrestleMania.
0: Yeah, and that WrestleMania match was incredible for me. And for me, this is a story I've told in the show before. That was when, like, Bret Hart became officially my number one in all of wrestling guy. And so I don't know if you remember... Or right before WrestleMania eight, the, the rumor was Hogan was going to retire. And they even had a special called like the March to WrestleMania eight, like a tribute to Hulkamania. Yep. And it ended with Vince asking Hulk, you know, are you going to retire? And he's like, will this be your last match? And Hulk was basically like, I don't know what it chills me to the bone. And Vince kind of was just basically like, yes, it will be. Because he said, thank you for the memories. Thank you yep. for Hulkamania. And Hulk famously says, well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I was watching that as a kid being like, I was like legitimately sad. I'm like, my favorite wrestler's is going away. Mm-hmm. And then I was thinking like, wait a minute, I've got Bret Hart. I'm good. Like I that was it. Like I was a weird thing I thought of. And he was so important for me to keep me a fan. And I'll talk about this. We could skip ahead a little bit here. We'll talk more stories later. But when I met him at WrestleCon a couple of years ago, I told him, I said, you know, I said, told him that same story. I said, when Hogan left and everybody left, like you were there and like, you were so important to me and to be the guy to carry the company and to look up to. And he looked at me like, I, he goes, I really appreciate you saying that. He goes, you have no idea how much that means to me. He's like, my, it means my work paid off. Thank you. I really, really appreciate that. Like, that's awesome. So I got to tell him that. And he was genuinely like, you know what, autograph signings. He's got big lines. He's sometimes kind of just signing and going through, but he stopped, looked at me and had that little moment with him, which was kind of cool. So that was a real thing for me in 92, at least. <laughs>
1: And that's something you're never going to forget, too, is that one moment with Brett where he stopped and was able to acknowledge you.
0: I have a better one I'll tell later where he, it was a Brett-can't-help-himself story, which we'll, we'll, tell, <laughs> we'll tell later. You have one of those, too.
1: Those are the um, best.
0: They are. Love, they, that's why we love Brett. All right. I'm uh, trying to think. Any, okay, so we've talked about some of our favorite matches. Any other ones you want to throw in there? Because
1: you know, there's, so, there's so many. You know that Survivor Series 97 match where everything went down? Yes that match was such a cluster, but it told a pretty good story. If you go back and you watch it, like each move looked a little snug where you're like, Oh crap. Yeah. They're really hitting each other because I don't know about you, but I started to kind of hear the rumblings that survivor series was going to be Brett's last match.
0: Yeah, we did. And even, and even Jim Ross mentioned it on the broadcast Basically, He said the smart money is you'll never see this match again.
1: Correct. well, we had just discovered America online at that time. Mm -hmm. And so about a couple days before the survivor series, there was this one thing that popped up and it said survivor series is going to be Brett's last match in WWF. And it kind of caught me by surprise. I was like, okay, that's weird. So I read the story and they're like, yeah, Brett's leaving for WCW. And I'm like, no, Brett's not leaving for WCW. This is stupid. You know, somebody making something up. Kid you not the next day that story caught fire, and so I'm reading more and more, and I'm like, no, this isn't Brett's. But in the back of my mind, I'm like, is it Brett's last match in WWF? You kind of start questioning what's going on here. Yeah. And then that night when they were dropping the subtle hints, like what you said about JR, you're like, uh-oh, you know, did Brett sign with WCW? Then the match goes on, and you're like, okay, and then the rest is history, obviously.
0: So were you? Did you? You guys probably were watching that match live. Did yep. you know something was up like right away, like after that match ended? As far as like it not being on the up and up, like all like no wrestling's on the up and up, it's all fake. But um the uh <laughs> the the ending not going as it should have gone.
1: you you knew something was wrong. Because yeah. when you watch the match and I was watching it with a bunch of friends, but Brett's hand starts to go back for Sean's boot. Mm-hmm. So Brett is grabbing Sean's boot and then that's when Earl rings the bell. Yeah. And you're like okay wait he didn't tap out. He didn't submit or anything. He was actually going to counter the move and then both guys kind of fall to the mat. Brett gets up spits in Vince's face. We all know the story. Yeah. And then that's when you're kind of like okay something isn't right here and maybe Brett is leaving so you're kind of watching all this debacle go down Mm -hmm. You're like okay yeah maybe the story was true that brett is leaving for wcw
0: i remember after it happened my friend and i he was the big brett fan i was the big sean fan like it got like we were really good friends and it got to like shouting matches with each other about brett and sean which is hilarious because like in real life they hated each other too so we're really in on this (laughs) and you know after the match, he taped it. The next day, I went to his house. We like broke down, hit pause, slow mo on the VCR. We're like, I'm like, look, you kind of see Brett nodding here. He's like, no, he's not. He's grabbing for it. It was like a, <laughs> and then we were, we both came to the conclusion that Michaels was not in on it. We're like, look how mad he is. He doesn't know what happened. And we're like, look, Gerald Briscoe, right down the hill here, tells him to put the belt up and act like you're happy and like broke it down. Like we were like CSI because we knew everything, but we were that is we amazing. Were, yeah, it was fun. It, fun times. No, before the internet, there was way more fun out in the world. At least we, we had a lot more time on our hands. I'd say that <laughs> to is to true. Do, to do this stuff, but I do agree that '97 match did tell a good story, and it's fun to go back and watch now. Uh, the rest of Survivor Series '97 is really bad, so skip that. But the yes. uh, main event's pretty good, so go ahead back and watch that. Yeah. Uh, what about? Let's talk about when he came back in 2010 to the WWF like on TV or 29 it was 2010 right yeah Mm -hmm. Uh, because he wrestled there they announced he was coming to Raw and this is also famously the night Impact was going to go live for the first time against Raw correct and so Brett comes back and like I was pumped about it were you obviously I'm sure you were super excited to hear he was coming back
1: oh 100% because you're kind of sitting there and you're like uh what's gonna go down is he gonna punch Vince again or you know is he gonna yeah is he going to call Sean uh whatever, you know, because he was notorious for doing that. Mm-hmm. And actually I've got a funny story regarding that one. Uh, kind of side story. We were at a wrestle reunion in 2011 and I had the Jack's classic two pack, the Montreal screw job two pack yeah, of Brett and Sean. And I just needed Brett to sign it. And then the, the two pack was complete. So I'm standing there and this guy walks by me and he goes, Oh, you already got Sean's autograph. I was like, yeah, he goes, um, make sure Brett doesn't add anything else to it. And I said, What do you mean? He goes, I have that same two pack autographed. And I said, Okay, he goes, When Brett wasn't too happy with WWF, he actually drew men's genitalia going over to Sean. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> I said, I'm- What? I said, Were you mad? He goes, I was mad at first, but now I kind of have this one of a kind thing mm-hmm. of Brett's drawing. <laughs> <You know? laughs> And I was like, okay. <laughs> he goes, That's yeah. Hilarious. He goes, just make sure Brett doesn't add anything to it.
0: That's hilarious. I remember when he came back, because uh, Impact was coming back, I said, you know what would be the ultimate FU to Vince if Bret Hart showed up on Impact? Like, he told WF he was coming and then showed up on Impact. That would have been <laughs> awesome. Be like, we're even, Vince. I'm on the competition again. But And then he had his match against Vince, which was what it was. But right. it was cool for me. To see him walk out, to see the pyro, to see the to hear the guitar screech come out—that was kind of cool for me to do because I was there in Phoenix. That was cool for me to see.
1: Oh, you were there.
0: I was uh, WrestleMania 26. Other than the main event, at the time wasn't that great. Looking back, it's got some really good matches on that show. Mm-hmm. Um, but being there was cool just to see it. Like the match was too long and it was a little goofy. But hearing the music, seeing the pyro, I, I was I was happy I got to be there.
1: Yeah, Scott and I were there as <laughs> well, and. I marked out when he walked out you know it's just it's that nostalgia factor that just hit you you know mm-hmm. you're seeing brett walk back out into a wwf ring again mm-hmm. and i don't want to sound like a wwf mark or anything like that but when you get to see brett have that one little last moment well we thought it was going to be his last moment i think he did a summer slam or something like that on Cena's team
0: yeah and he won the u.s title against the Miz. <laughs> Oh yeah, thank
1: you. I forgot about that part too. But but seeing Brett on that stage, it was kind of like, yeah, this is awesome. You know, he's back. That's awesome.
0: Yeah, and it's where he should have been. You know, we're not going to get too much into his WCW career, other than. Do you remember like when he first debuted on WCW? Were you like glued to the TV like I was? Like, what's like? Oh, they're going to push him. He's going to be the champion. What are they going to do? And he's the special referee.
1: Yeah, he's the special referee in the Sting Hogan match.
0: No, no, it, no, he no, was a special referee for Bischoff and
1: Zabisco. Oh my God, you're right.
0: Yep, because he came out after Nick Patrick was supposed to do the was supposed to do the fast count. Like that was supposed to be the story. Is I'm not gonna let this happen again.
1: Oh but my no. God, I forgot all about that. You're 100 percent correct. I, <laughs> wow. See, his WCW days were not that memorable. There, I think he was. I think he had two moments on that in his WCW career. And that was when Goldberg speared him Yep. and he had right. the chest plate and yep. his match against a, well, a gentleman, we can't really say his name. Yeah. In the Owen Hart tribute match. Yep. Those were the two moments in WCW that just stand out. You, he won the U S title. He won the world title. And you're like, okay, yeah, it just like, doesn't have that same feel.
0: Yeah, and Vince talked about, I think, uh, Brett talked about, I think, in his documentary, the Wrestling in Shadows documentary, where he was negotiating with WCW. And he's like, Vince told me WCW will never know what to do with a Bret Hart. And he was right. Like, they didn't know what to do with him. And I don't know how. Like, he's the, at the time, you got to realize, Brett was the hottest, like, name in wrestling during the screwjob thing. And WCW screwed it up. And I don't know how they did it, but they did it.
1: The crowd reaction for Brett in (laughs) 97 was still off the chart, but like Vince said, he goes, I can't pay your 20-year contract that you have. I wonder if that contract would be, yeah, that contract where it came up in 2017 or something Mm -hmm. like that. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Well, it's funny now because Vince could pay it, but that's a whole different story. But it's funny because Vince was like, I can't pay your 20-year contract. So he's like, I got to help you negotiate with WCW, and that's what he did.
0: So silly, so silly. Um, <laughs> let's uh, finish. Let's let's do a couple more segments here. So we'll talk about your specialty because Jeff, if you guys don't know, is the co-host slash driver of the longest reigning wrestling figure podcast. Going today, the fully poseable wrestling figure podcast. You can follow them at fully poseable, and they're on SoundCloud, iTunes, all that stuff for you guys too. Uh, what are some of your favorite Bret Hart figures? Because you've got a bunch of them. You've got a bunch autographed. What are yep. some of your favorites of his? Like, give me your. He's got so many. Like, what are your top ones?
1: So, my favorite one, I'll, I'll just start off. The top one yep. is the Hasbro Series 8, the red card where he had the silver shades, the hot Kay. pink singlet, okay. and the black tights. Yep. Hands down, the best in my mm. eyes, at least. And Rad Chad, Rad Chad would actually be mad we didn't invite him on the show. <laughs> <laughs> but Rad Chad would agree with me on that one. Uh, I always felt that Jack's, captured brett really well now let's leave the bone crunchers out but when they switched to the real scan face or the updated look faces i thought they mm-hmm. really captured brett well In you know like the survivor series two-pack that i was just talking about or the deluxe classic even though he had the screaming face i still thought that was a good expression to add to brett yeah there are so many figures of brett where i'm just like that's cool mattel got that hot pink one where he had the, uh, yep. uh, yeah, that one. Yeah, Mattel's, that was the
0: uh, yeah, that was probably his best one because other than that, Mattel hasn't been great with Brett, and it disappoints me.
1: They haven't been able to capture the face on Brett, and I don't know how Jax was able to get it, but Mattel hasn't. It's just they keep trying, and they keep swinging and missing. I mean, like they tried that, what was that, Elite 42, where they paired him and Jim up, and they were in the pink and black and everything. Mm-hmm. Yep. And they tried to capture that old-school Brett look, and they did not do well at all.
0: And even, like, the Ultimate Edition, like, uh, his hair glob aside, like, the face scan, I'm like, how did you guys mess this up? But the rest of that figure <laughs> is amazing. Like, the rest of the stuff is great. You know, the the, the paint splatter, tights, the, the jacket, able to do the hand pose, all that the hitman is like to call it. That's all mm-hmm. awesome stuff. and. And the, what was the other one he had? The, oh yeah, the, obviously the defining moments one where it's a great figure, great accessories, great everything. It's just that scan's not there, but luckily the sunglasses cover that a little bit.
1: Have you noticed that nobody has made that jacket from WrestleMania 10? Do you remember that match? Well, obviously against Owen, but when he came out, he had that long jacket.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. It was like the Sergeant Pepper's jacket, like the the bigger, (laughs) the extra big shoulder pads too.
1: Right, right. They've never nobody's ever done that jacket. I'm curious why no one's ever done that jacket. Because well, as I said, there's so many Brett figures, so many figures that you can throw out there between Jacks and mm-hmm. Hasbro and all that stuff. Yada yada yada. Nobody's done that jacket. So you know, for people that are still trying to capture Brett, mm-hmm. you know, there's still a lot more that they can do.
0: You know, which one actually speaking of it, really quick. The, so Mattel one that was great, that two pack Hall of Champions with him and Michaels was a very, very good one. It's technically a basic, but I'm yes. a big fan of that one. That's probably my favorite Mattel one they've done.
1: That one is excellent. That one is probably second or third best they have they have done.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, obviously the, the all pink one's great, but that one for me, I love the glasses. I know they don't have the shine, but it's like they're pink and that's what he wore. They weren't silver or whatever off color. They, sometimes they try to do, but they're solid pink. I'm a big fan of that.
1: They need to bring back the silver shades
0: the uh, just the ones he wore like the old school silver ones
1: yep like heart foundation era
0: yeah those would be those would be nice i don't know why i I guess there's got to be a reason to to mass produce stuff like i think last year at the hall of fame they were selling hitman glasses at the hall of fame only but it weren't the superstore which was kind of weird uh when the heart foundation got inducted but they need more Mm -hmm. brett merch let's get some more brett merch out there for everybody yes please yeah, I think my favorite's going to be the Hasbro, um, but not with the silver shades, with the pink shades, because that's the one I had when I was a kid. So I'm I'm a little biased towards that one. And like I said, the one I mentioned, the Mattel uh, basic two-pack with Shawn Michaels. As far as Jax, I, I was never into Jax hardcore. I think I told mm-hmm. you this before. I half started collecting Jax, and I stopped myself. I'm like, nope, not doing this. It's going to take too much money. I sold what I had. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not doing this. And like I'm proud of myself for not being tempted to do it.
1: <laughs> no, did you ever get the mail away, Bret Hart?
0: I did not. And then right now, it's the price is so high. I'm just like, eh, I'm not even gonna try.
1: <laughs> yeah, smart move.
0: Are you talking about the mail Hasbro? Or the mail away? Um,
1: I'm sorry, the... mail away Hasbro. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I
0: thought you were talking about the exclusive one with the pink jacket. No, I did oh, not. I no, I did not. And again, some of those mail now for Hasbro, it's insane. Like you could retire off. You had a whole a whole collection of those.
1: Well, you know what's funny is the heart foundation at LJNs always got played with in yeah. our wrestling ring when we were kids. And the best thing about it was is Jim, you could easily do the heart attack. So Jim would be holding the uh, opponent mm-hmm. and Brett can do that clothesline because he never did like a full on clothesline. He did a clothesline where he kind of hooked the guy and his feet went up in the air. And yes. you could do that and recreate that with the LJNs. And that's what I always loved about the Heart Foundation LJNs is you could do the heart attack. And as much as I disliked them, they were winning matches because they were so easy to play with. Along with the Bulldogs, they were having classic matches in my LJN ring.
0: They're, they're you know, they're getting high ratings in the newsletters and the newsletters for your, <laughs> in the federation <laughs> you've got there at your house. That's awesome. <laughs> Yeah, those are those LGNs are ones we wish we can go back in time and just buy a bunch off the shelf and keep them in like a box in a uh, safe for for the future, you know?
1: Don't get me started.
0: <laughs> what do you, what do you, we didn't know, we didn't know. We were just playing with them, even those Hasbros, yep. we were just playing with them. And I'm happy a lot of the Hasbros I have, pretty much all of them, the actions still work. So I'm, I'm happy with all of them. I do have a poop nose warrior, so I got to eventually upgrade on that. But other than that, I'm good.
1: A poop noise nose warrior,
0: you're not familiar with the poop nose ultimate warrior Hasbro. So the Series 2 Ultimate Warrior, where he does the press slam. Right? Um, there's a, a big portion of them, because of the way the package was on the bubble, it pushed on his nose so hard it wore the paint off. So the tip uh. of his nose turns black or brown. So people call it the poop nose. So uh, <laughs> yes, look him up. I look it up. A lot of them have this issue. So if you're ever out and about and you see a bin of Hasbro's or a bin of whatever, if you find uh-huh. a non poop nose warrior, pick it up. Cause you could flip it. I can't believe you Whoa. didn't know that. That's yeah. That's because yours is that, probably pristine, but yeah,
1: it, it is. It is.
0: But yeah, the, that, that, that's also one of my favorite figures anyway, the we'll, we'll get off topic with that, but that warrior press slam, I loved because you could do so much with him with that, with that gotcha. press slam action. But yeah, that's a, that's one thing I got to worry about. Uh <laughs> We, he's got a, we talked a little bit about his merch. Obviously there's the hit, did you ever have Hitman Shades growing up? You're, you you sure. wrecked up your parents' phone bill? You might as well order some shades.
1: <laughs> so I had a pair of the silver ones
0: uh-huh. and
1: I wore them to Disneyland. And what was funny is a lot of people were saying, oh, those are like Doc Brown from Back to the Future. Yeah, exactly. And I'm like, no, no, these are Bret Hart. and it even said Bret Hart on Bret Hitman Hart or something on their sides. I'm like, no, these are Bret Hart. And they're like, who? And I'm like, God damn it. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I'm not going to sit here and have a wrestling conversation with you. At, I'm eight years old. I, I shouldn't even be wearing these anyways. Yeah. <laughs> but I did have those shades. I absolutely did. And then I had a lot of Bret shirts. Um, Every time Bret came out with a shirt, I, I was bound to have it. Mm-hmm. Without a shadow of a doubt, I was going to be getting it. Did you have uh, the, all,
0: the all over one where it's like his giant, like the oversized one where he's got the yep. title or whatever, that white one? You had that one?
1: Yeah, I sure did. That's awesome. I did. I did. I had that one. I Now, I know I had that one and I had Luger, the one that you have.
0: The USA one? Yeah.
1: Yep. I had those two, but I never got Razor and I think they made a Sean one, right?
0: Yeah, they did where it says like Heartbreak Hotel all over. Yeah.
1: So the, I just got Luger and Brett because I was... Fallen for the Luger, me the too. Lex Express, that's a whole different show.
0: It is, and we could talk a little. Since we're on that, let's because I skipped over early. I meant to talk about that. So mm. Brett wins the title for the first time in '92, correct? Uh, and he won it on a house show, basically, or Coliseum videotaping. And yes. we all found out about it for the first time on Superstars. Do you remember, like, were you watching Superstars when they announced it? Because I was. And I was like, what the hell happened?
1: <laughs> so Scott was known to sleep in. He still is when he doesn't have to go to work. He sleeps mm-hmm. in to like, 11 on the mm-hmm. weekends. So Scott's always been a notorious heavy sleeper. So I'm downstairs. I'm watching Superstars. And they are I think they're on the stage. And me and Gene goes, let me introduce yep. your new world champion. And I'm like, new world champion? I didn't, what? And then Brett's music hits and Brett comes up to the stage and he's holding the title. I flew from downstairs pumping my fist, like yelling uh-huh. up the stairs to Scott's room. Scott's dead asleep. He's like, dude, shut up. I was like, Brett won the title. He goes, wait, what? And, like Scott is still waking up and he's still trying to like register everything. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Brett just won the title. And I flew back downstairs. Like, skipping all the other steps and just flying back to downstairs to see Brett with the title. So Scott comes slowly walking down. He sees Brett with the title and he goes, what happened? I go, I have no idea. I guess he beat Ric Flair. That's all I knew. Yeah. And that's, I remember that very vividly because I was so excited because Brett just captured that title.
0: Yeah. And then the first time we saw it was on the smack Whack 'Em VHS from Coliseum video. We never saw it till then.
1: Yeah, we had to wait 7 months, 8 months. It,
0: it was a while. It was a while. Yeah. Yeah. And he and they they kept saying he won it in Saskatoon. I'm like, "What the hell, Saskatoon? Like what does that mean?" <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad he won it in Canada. <laughs>
0: yes. Yes. So when he lost the title WrestleMania 9, I was like, I didn't believe it. Like to me that was this was another there's no way like, kind of like when the Nasty Boys won. I'm like, there's no way Brett's losing to Yokozuna. And Correct. he did. I was like, what? But then Hogan came in, so I was happy. <laughs> like, I was upset, but, like, Hogan was still my guy. He was still my hero. But were you, like, as, as shocked as I was that Yokozuna beat him?
1: No, because that was another build. And I, and I hate to say Brett was a transitional champ.
0: He was at that time, yeah.
1: But Yoko had so much momentum behind him. Mm-hmm. And you're thinking, no, they can't take the belt off Brett. Brett's the guy. He's going to carry the company. And then as you got closer to Mania, you're like, yeah, Brett might lose this. You know, nobody can stop Yokozuna, you know. He's mm-hmm. 600, 700 pounds eating eight gallons of rice a day, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> on those old Coliseum Home videos, they would show mm-hmm. what he was eating. But anyways, you got to WrestleMania 9 and Brett locks on the sharpshooter.
0: He basically, and the I'm, calf, it was the calf shooter. That's what he got Yoko's legs.
1: He, he could have gotten Yoko's legs all wrapped up. The ankle shooter. <laughs> but Yoko was kind of far enough away from the rope, so I'm thinking, oh, oh cool, Brett's in a retain. Mm-hmm. And then the salt goes in the eyes. Yoko rolls him up, pins him. And so I'm like, damn it. Like I was so mad. And then Hogan comes out, and I'm like, oh this no no (laughs) they're not gonna and sure Mm -hmm. enough they ring the bell Hogan drops a leg pins him one two three and I think I was upset with Hogan at the time but at the same time before Hogan got into the ring Brett kind of told him to go in
0: right he gave him the blessing
1: exactly so I'm like okay well if Brett gave him the blessing then I guess it's okay but I was still disappointed that Brett lost the title
0: The famous story is that Brett tells is he was told that he was going to beat Hogan for the title Mm -hmm. at SummerSlam. Like that was going to be the build. And they even did a a photo shoot where they're both tugging at the belt. And then Hogan says, no, we never agreed to that. Then Vince claims he never told Brett that. And then Vince faces, he says in his book, or Brett says in his book about Vince, Vince says, well, I never said it would be for the title. So that just screams to me that Hogan didn't want to do it, you know? Which sucks and, because I would have loved to seen that match. Like I would have been like, my mind would have been blown seeing Bret Hart, Hulk Hogan in a main event at the time as a kid. So I'm bummed we never got that match. But like you said, I was all in on the Lex Express. I was like, okay, this is my new my new Hulk Hogan. I'm I'm fine with Lex Luger being my new Hulk Hogan guy.
1: <laughs> well, technically, we did get the Bret and Hogan match, just not at that time.
0: Ah, uh, we did. May, many years <laughs> later in, in the WCW as Brett called. I always used to love how Brett would say the WCW in the SummerSlam. I loved in the SummerSlam, he called it that. I loved it.
1: <laughs> he made everything royalty.
0: It was so maybe it's Canadian, maybe it just being a polite Canadian. Uh, <laughs> but even though he lost that in ninety three, he still had that awesome king of the ring we talked about. So he still got a little bit of a push for it to be a to be the guy. Mm-hmm. Um and then he ends up winning the title in ninety four back at WrestleMania ten versus yokozuna and going back to watch that wrestlemania obviously the brett yoko match isn't amazing it's entertaining but the pop brett gets when he beats yoko at the garden is awesome like i forgot how big it was i watched it recently i forgot how big that pop was
1: brett's pops were always they were deafening no matter Mm -hmm. where you were i we were at a oakland coliseum house show and it was about two weeks after he had won the heavyweight title Mm -hmm. Maybe it was a Sunday night. I remember it was a Sunday night because I had to beg my parents to get permission to stay out late. And there was maybe 2,500 people in the Oakland Coliseum. But when Brett came out, it sounded like Steph Curry had just walked out to the ring because that place erupted for Brett. And I remember Brett's pops always just deafening they always talk about the Road Warrior pop, but Bret's pops were always on that same pitch.
0: Yeah, and it, I think, I, I don't know why I don't remember it being so high, like his his cheers being so high. And back to that WrestleMania 10, obviously the Rumble 94 had the famous two guys win the Rumble. It was Bret and Luger. Mm-hmm. And Bret Luger talks about it, I think, in the history of the WWE shoot interview 94, how he's like, they asked him, he's like, asked Luger, he's like, were you nervous? He's like, nope, because I knew Brett had it. He's like, Brett made it so perfect. He basically placed us at the same time, and they were worried about it. And he goes, we hit it at the same time. And he's like, that was all Brett. So Luger totally puts Brett over. And Brett and Luger both have had nothing but good things to say about each other over the years, which makes me happy as a Luger fan that Brett likes somebody <laughs> out there in the world. <laughs> 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 he said that uh, Bret Hart first introduced him to Starbucks before Starbucks was national, like at the Seattle Airport. Like, he's like, "Oh, we got to get Starbucks!" Like, he introduced uh, Lex Luger to Starbucks coffee <laughs> during that '94 Rumble. That was mm-hmm. one. Th- I did watch that one live. I've told this story before, where we did not have a box that memory may may not have scrambled unscrambled pay per views, but right. this time the pay per view didn't scramble for some reason, so I got to watch it. And to this day, I still don't know what happened. I don't think my mom bought it for me, but she might have. Either way, I didn't I I didn't scramble, so I watched it. During when they both tied, I was like torn on who I wanted to win. Were you guys watching that? Were you like, okay, Brett should have won. Okay, okay, Luger should have won. What were your thoughts of that 94 Rumble finish, which is pretty famous a lot, now?
1: A lot of Luger's momentum had died off by then. Mm-hmm. And it was almost like... <sighs> He didn't win the belt at SummerSlam. So it was almost like Luger was just another player where going into SummerSlam, he felt like the guy. And so a lot of his momentum had kind of died off by that Royal Rumble. So of course, when it came down to Brett and Luger, I was rooting for Brett. I was still I still like Luger at that time, but it's Brett. It's Brett's the guy. He is the guy that... I feel that everybody rallied behind and still to this day go back and like, yeah, he is the best because Brett had that aura around him. And when him and Luger went out at, and they hit at the same time, I was like, okay, what are they going to do for mania? Because you can't have, you're going to have a three-way dance, which nowadays that's nothing. But yeah, that, back then, true back then that was kind of like you're going to do a three-way dance for the belt and then they broke down the rules of how it was going to be laid out
0: yeah and they did make it was weird with like that whole coin toss thing and all that stuff but it was it was an intriguing television for me at the time in 94 it was interesting and because raw was still raw was out at the time so it was interesting to see
1: By i still way, was that's, that's still one of my favorite stories where you say you always sat down and you would listen to the pay-per-view, but yep. obviously you couldn't watch it because it was scrambled. Yep. And you would play video games and you'd have your soda mm-hmm. and you would listen to the pay-per-views and get the results that way.
0: <laughs> yep. It was perfect. And then, like I said, when it didn't scramble, you, I was the fastest man alive when I ran upstairs to get a tape to record it. And, like I was like, <gasps> <laughs> and like, and looking back, I didn't enjoy the show as much as I did because I was just waiting for the pay-per-view to turn off. I was like, come on, come on, come on. But then it, it didn't. So <laughs> one of my favorite rumbles of all time for sure mine too okay. we talked a little bit we talked about his figures and you're obviously mr Minton card guy getting autographs and things like that you've met brett a bunch of times yes uh before we talk into some of those stories we got I, his autographs one of the best out there in the world of wrestling autographs i think we everyone could agree with that right
1: uh, beautiful absolutely beautiful
0: <laughs> takes his time he's got the looping b he's got the dot 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 for his kids and Everything's legible. It's it's amazing. He's yeah, and he's anything in pink pops, so that works too. Um one of the best autographs out there for sure.
1: Yeah, well, it depends on what you're going for. So like if you do get his Mattel where he's in all pink. Yeah. Don't go pink on that one. Go a mm-hmm. contrasting color. Go a uh, go I always go a uh, sky blue. Mhm. A uh, uh, Posca paint pen sky blue. I always use that for Brett autographs because he in most outfits he's either wearing pink or he's wearing black so the blue yeah. always pops so i always yep. recommend going with the sky blue for brett figures
0: i say yeah i agree with that i do think the defining moments looks good in pink though because the, the box is brown so it pops
1: that one is the exception i will say because he well you can also go back to some of his jacks but if you do talk about the defining moments he's in all mm-hmm. black on that one mm-hmm. so yeah the, you could go blue you can go pink you can go a, 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 quite a few colors on that one
0: sure all right so let's hear some of your story what's the first when would you when did you first meet brett how old were you what did you get signed what was the situation what was your first meeting with the hitman
1: so first meeting with brett was actually at a mall out here it's called the great mall it's in milpitas california and brett was doing a signing and i'm going to rewind a little bit back at wrestlemania 12 they used to sell these cardboard cutouts and they happen to have the Bret Hart cardboard cutout at
0: the merch like stand. The, like the five, six-foot ones, right?
1: Yep, 100%. Yep. So I my buddy bought that for me because my birthday always falls around WrestleMania time. Mm-hmm. So my buddy's like, hey, I'm going to get you this Bret Hart cardboard cutout for your birthday. I'm like, perfect, thank you. So he gets me the cardboard cutout. Bret's doing a signing at the Milpitas uh, Great Mall. So I'm like, I'm going to take this cardboard cutout. I take the cardboard cutout. Now I'm carrying around the six foot cardboard cutout around the great mall and I'm plopping it next to me every time we would move in line. The funny thing was, is a lot of people would come up and want to take a picture with the cardboard cutout, which was kind of (laughs) weird. (laughs) You're like looking at the people like, oh, can I get a picture with the cardboard cutout? And I'm like, okay, yeah, if you want to, like, Mm -hmm. uh, this is weird. So anyways, we get up to Brett and I lay it down. And the guy that was handling Brett, he goes, "Uh, you need to fix that. And I was all, fix what? He goes, that's too long because, as I said, it's six feet long. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, how do you want me to fix it? And he goes, well, you have to fold it back up. And I'm like, "God damn it. So now I'm holding up the line to fix this thing. <laughs> yeah. And Brett gets it and he signs it. And it's one of my favorite autographs of Brett because he signs right over the jacket in a silver Sharpie. Now, mm-hmm. I don't recommend Sharpies, but on this it came out perfect. Yeah. Signed in a silver Sharpie right over the left pectoral area where he has his jacket on. It's one of my favorite autographs, and that was the very first time I had met Brett. Didn't get a much to say didn't get a chance to say much to him. Mhm. But that was my very first time meeting Brett. My second time meeting Brett was at some random card shop baseball card shop and it was about a month or two before survivor series so brett comes in and i had this one photograph that i had taken of brett in front of the wrestlemania 12 sign at the anaheim pond and i set it down in front of brett and brett sits there and he looks at it and he goes wrestlemania 12 huh and i was all yeah i said i said bad night, but I got this great picture of you. And he goes, yeah, the wrong guy won that night. And he signs Bret Hart. We lean in for the picture. I'm holding the uh, WWF heavyweight title, the winged eagle. Uh-huh. Yeah. We take the picture and that was it. But I still remember Brett kind of throwing that barb in there. Yeah. Uh, wrong guy won that night. And <laughs> he signs it and then that's it. <laughs>
0: Th- that's kind of the hint of where these stories will be going because. <laughs> yep. As everyone knows, Brett. Brett, it's weird because he will say, Oh, you know, you know, we're we're friends now and I really like I re- always respected Rick. I always like Ric Flair and he's a good worker and all that. But then I this I'll tell my story first. So last year at WrestleCon I meet Brett and I had my smack 'em whack 'em tape signed. And that we talked about earlier was when he beat Ric Flair. Yep. So I come up next to him and I said, you know, hi Brett. I said, just so you know, I said, I used to rent this tape all the time because it was when you first won the title, and I loved watching. He looks at, it, he goes, "That's the one with Rick, right?" I go, "Yeah." He goes, "Not a lot of people talk about that match anymore." I go, "Yeah, you know, I think I still think it's good, a really good match." He goes, he looks at me, shakes his head, he goes, "Rick didn't know what the hell he was doing." It's <laughs> <was> like, okay, <laughs> so Brett's got a little little dig there at the Nature Boy. That's interesting, okay. <laughs> and uh, you've got a better story from that WrestleCon. So I want this was last year in New York. I wanted you to tell yours. We may be fast forwarding, and we go back, but it's one of my favorite year interaction with Brett WrestleCon that year.
1: So rewind about a month or two. I had purchased this kind of portrait. It was a drawing by this artist out here in California. who's excellent. He does these Mount Rushmore portraits. He's done a bunch of giants where he had the top four greatest San Francisco giants on there or the top four greatest A's. Anyways, he does, he's notorious for doing Mount Rushmore pictures. So he has this new generation portrait and it's the Mount Rushmore and it has Taker, Brett, razor and sean so i was obsessed last year on getting this signed and i get up to brett and i set the portrait down and brett leans in to sign it over obviously over brett and he stops and he kind of pulls back and he goes razor what's razor doing on here and i was like i don't know that's what the person who made the portrait he put razor on there and he goes Oh God, I would could think of like 50 other wrestlers that deserve to be on this over razor. (laughs) (laughs) The funny thing is, is James Frank, uh, cameraman for pro wrestling gorilla is standing right next to me. And he looks at me like, did Brett just say that? And I look over at James and I'm laughing because that's what Brett does is he throws those little jabs. He throws those little barbs at these signings and you kind of hold on to those because they're so funny. Like you had mentioned about Rick and I had mentioned about razor. Same thing with Sean. He throws these little barbs. If you can get him to talk, he throws these little barbs in and you're like, Oh, this is great. Got to tell this on a podcast or something.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And I also loved how you were, you got razor to sign it later that night, that, that, that same day. And I went up to you. I go, you are gonna tell Razor that Brett's talking shit? You're like, no, no, I'm not gonna tell him. I'm like, come on, tell him, hey, Brett's in the room talking shit. Razor, you better go there and, and say something about it.
1: The funny, I remember that you're like, oh, dude, that picture's cool. I was all listening to what Brett just said. And then I tell you, you're like, are you yep. getting Razor signed? I'm like, yeah. You're like, okay, you have to tell Razor, oh, you have to tell Razor what Brett said. I'm like, no, I'm not getting in the middle of this. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and we both said the same thing we're just like Brett cannot help himself like even recently his Hulk Hogan uh, piece of garbage next question
1: <laughs> or what about the Goldberg thing on, oh yeah uh, the Broken Skull Challenge
0: yeah like he was we like should... he's the most unsafe person ever he hurt everyone he worked with and like Austin's there like cause he's friends with Goldberg he's like this is awkward
1: well if you go back and you watch his DVD from 2006 Brett says Goldberg's a nice guy Mm-hmm. but I got hurt by him, you know, at yeah. the end of my career because of that kick.
0: Yeah. Uh, any other, how about any, any other fun Brett Meaton stories? You've got a bunch of things signed over the years. Anything, anything other stand, stand out for you?
1: Um, I remember Brett sitting there one time and I forget, I want to say it was at a Wrestle Reunion out here in Union City because there's a promoter out here. His name is Kirk White. And Kirk White always gets Brett for for signings. And I remember Brett was up on the stage area. And Brett's sitting there. And I forget who it was. I want to say it was Snuka. Jimmy Snuka came up and put his hands on Brett. And brett kind of got startled like he wasn't expecting that and Snuka goes hey brother and he shakes his hand and brett shakes his hand and snooker walks away and brett kind of gives him like a, a stank eye yeah a little bit and somebody was like not a fan of Snuka, and brett looked at the fan and just ignored him and started signing like i'm getting involved <laughs> in this one i still got another three <laughs> hours of this meet and greet
0: <laughs> he's not a fan of of the coconut guy jimmy Snuka.
1: No, and the other funny one is I met Brett and Jim at that same place. They they were holding these wrestle reunions every year, and one year they had the Heart Foundation. And I get up there, and at the time they were taking Polaroids, so they would take the Polaroid, put it down in front of the wrestler as it kind of you remember Polaroids, you kind of had to fan it, let it yeah you know, shake develop. it
0: like shake it like a Polaroid, as the Outcast said.
1: <laughs> yep, exactly. See, all you young kids know all this stuff. Yeah, the young so, kids. <laughs> so anyways, Jim signs it and just pushes it over to Brett. So Brett goes to sign the Polaroid. And Brett looks down and Jim had signed underneath where Brett is in the picture. Mm-hmm. And Brett looks over at Jim and he goes, hey, you signed underneath me. And Jim goes, yeah, so? And Brett's like, <sighs> like he was annoyed by Jim. Yeah. And, and so, <laughs> Brett signed underneath Jim, but he, Brett was not happy about that. He wanted to sign underneath him. He was very mm-hmm. particular that he made sure he signed underneath him, which I mean yeah. I, a lot of fans would want. But at the same time, Brett seemed kind of annoyed by Jim <laughs> at that time when he signed underneath Brett. It,
0: yeah, but it's cool that he takes he cares about this type of stuff because he could easily mail it in at these signings, like some guys do, and we're not going to name got names or anything like that. But there's certain wrestlers you meet, and you're like, Ugh. like I mean, I'll name one name, whatever. At like, Wrestler sure, Greg the Hammer Valentine was eating Cheetos when he's trying to meet people and sign autographs, literally eating a Cheeto and sign autographs, <laughs> like one of those 25-cent bags. Like, dude, come on, I paid for an autograph. Give me just at least a... Humor me here for a second, but <laughs> but Brett is... uh full attention, we'll sign, we'll look up, make eye contact, say hi to him, all that stuff. And uh, Mm -hmm. uh, last year, I mentioned Michaels is my favorite wrestler ever. Well, Brett won the autograph contest last year because Michaels had head down with signing. And in fairness, Michaels had a giant giant line that was the same night as the Hall of Fame. And his handler told me, he's like, I'm sorry, man, Like, we got to get through this line. Because I asked him a question. He was like, we, he's really got to get to this line. He's got to go, and he's got to go through everybody before he leaves. I'm like, oh, I get it. I'm That's cool. But Brett won that year because he took time with me to, to bury Ric Flair.
1: <laughs> well, another thing, it's it's funny you mentioned the Michaels thing. There was one time we met Michaels out here. The same guy brought Michaels in. His name's Kirk White.
0: Kirk mm-hmm. White
1: brings Michaels in. And they were speeding people through the line, through Shawn Michaels' line. So I get up, and I go... So Sean, have you had any weird questions asked to you today, and the handler, Sean never looked up. The handler goes, "Nope, Sean hasn't had any weird pictures. Here's your here's your autograph." And I'm like, "Oh, okay, I guess. Thank you. Bye." Yeah, you know, as Jim I mean, Cornette would say. Yeah,
0: <laughs> I I mean there had been I've had positive with Michaels before. It was just that particular day I felt kind of like ah, oh, this sucks. But what are you gonna do, right? You know he's gonna, because my I actually had him uh my friend KP. He had me sign a unique item that I thought would get Michaels to at least react. It was a Shawn Michaels Wrestling Academy brochure for prospective students. I'm like, oh, I'm like, wow. I want. He probably hasn't seen one of these in forever, right. but no, he he probably wasn't looking at anything. And um, he, I had him sign my WrestleMania 14 poster, and I knew what he was going to do. I knew he was going to go right for above his picture because it's the famous WrestleMania 14 poster with Austin Michaels Tyson and the logo above it. I'm like, I guarantee he's going to sign above his face and I don't want him to I want him to sign on the logo as big as he can and I literally had to stop him like no 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 no! I'm like sign above here he goes okay and I said sign it really I'm like could you sign it really big and he signed his regular autograph but what are you gonna do at least he listened to me and put it where I wanted it
1: <laughs> were you gonna get Tyson to sign it this year
0: no I was not uh I am of the impression that I'm a bigger fan of items with a single autograph on it I think it looks cool, like cleaner. But that's just—I'm not against other people doing it. It's just for me. Um, if I was going to meet Tyson, which I probably wasn't, I would have either won a boxing glove or a copy of Mike Mike Tyson's Punch Out Nintendo.
1: Oh, okay, that makes sense.
0: Although I heard a rumor, or I read something that he won't sign copies of Punch Out unless he's at a specific type of signing because he has some type of deal with some company for it. So. I know athletes have weird rules sometimes about stuff. Like right. my friend asked Michaels to sign Iron Man, and the guy said he can't unless he's had a certain thing because he's got that trademarked or whatever. So something weird. Interesting. Yeah, everyone's got little weird quirks about him, and no one's got weirder quirks than Bret Hart. But we love the Hitman, and <laughs> we do, we do. He, he's one of my favorites, and he's—is he your number one of all time?
1: Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's Bret, Okada, AJ Styles. Those are my top three of all time.
0: But what if what if a well, dream match, both in their prime, Brett versus Okada? Who would you have been rooting for?
1: Oh, don't throw this. Uh, this is don't throw this at me. Rainmaker
0: <laughs> versus the Sharpshooter.
1: <laughs> uh, both in their prime. Oh man, I would have probably gone Brett because Brett. I can't explain the fandom that I had for Brett. Yeah, I think you you've know, done I, it pretty
0: well over the past hour and a half. You, I think you have oh, explained it pretty well.
1: <laughs> oh, thank you. Okay, then I'm done with that story. Then. Yeah.
0: No. Go. Go ahead. Go ahead.
1: No, honestly, the the fandom that I had for Brett at that time, it was just through the roof. I I loved Brett. I loved watching superstars, even if he was taking on Dale Wolf or something or Iron Mike yep. Sharp or whatever jobber it was that week. I, it was still cool because I got to hear Brett's music. I got to see Brett. Six-minute match, sharpshooter, go home. That was it. I got to see Brett. got to see him take off the shades, put him on a kid in the front row like you, always jealous that the kids were getting the – uh, shades but it is what it is I I loved Brett and that's what I grew up on I loved Hogan too but it was never to that fandom the mm-hmm. fandom that I had for Brett was through the roof same thing with Okada right now same thing with AJ Styles back in 2003 when TNA yeah. first started
0: well hit manager number one he's up there from he's on my Mount Rushmore so I think I always say my top of all time is going to be Michael's austin bret hart and then probably hulk hogan so like number four i guess so they're always up there and so but my top three are usually pretty consistent and then the rest kind of are a little bit of a, a mash of people but those top three michaels austin and hart are all my top guys and i think they always will be i don't i can't see anyone anytime soon taking over that spot
1: and as we always say about mount rushmore's they're all subjective everybody has no, a different mine, no
0: mine mine's right mine's right
1: <laughs> Are we going to have to break down Survivor Series 97?
0: Yeah, we're going to go to the video tape. <laughs> <laughs>
1: we're going to do a watch along.
0: <laughs> we we might do that. We got some time coming up and we're going to have fun along the way and uh Jeff, thanks for joining our show this week. Uh him, Jeff and I were talking off air about doing some more fun stuff for everyone coming up soon, so hopefully we get to do that. Uh and yeah, man, thanks thanks so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. It was a lot of fun to be on the show this week.
1: Hundred percent. And also, before we sign off, I want to congratulate you on episode one hundred. I know it's coming up, and I know you haven't hit it yet, but this is kind of a pre-congratulate congratulations for it because us over here, we know how hard it is to put out a hundred episodes. And to you and Eric, we are happy for you guys. Kudos to you guys.
0: I really appreciate that, and we will get to a hundred. Uh, it does take while we're not weekly shows like you guys are, which I wish people knew how incredibly hard it was to do a weekly show and you guys <laughs> do it and it, and it's awesome. And thank you. And thank you. We as fans, thank you for doing it. And it got to the point where I was like, I'm behind two. Ep-. And like, I like missed an episode and I was so confused one time. I'm like, did I miss something? And like, Oh, I had to go back because I missed one. Cause you guys put it out every week, every Sunday. There's a show out, so we appreciate that. If you want to – well, this will transition into our podcast shout-out. Obviously, Jeff and Scott over at the Fully Posable podcast. Follow them. Listen to them. Even if you're not a figure fan, give them a try every once in a while. Uh, you just did another interview with Marty DeRosa, which was awesome. You had a show out last Sunday. You have another one coming up this week. Fully Posable at Fully Posable on Twitter. Our friends over at the Our Vantage Point podcast—you can follow them at at OVP Podcast. They're one of the best retro wrestling podcasts out there. Production values to the roof. They do a lot of fun, and they make me laugh every time I listen to them as well. They have the, a lot of the weird nuances, and their Twitter page is awesome because they're always posting cool, obscure wrestling videos. By Our the way, Eric- how do, how do they
1: get uh, how do they get those videos onto mm. Twitter? I have never I been know. able to figure that out.
0: I would slide into DMs because I have no idea. <laughs> slide into their DMs. <laughs>
1: I'm, I'm always uh, amazed like i try to do it and it comes up as a youtube clip and i'm like no i don't want a youtube clip. Uh, yeah. I want to play the video
0: <laughs> yeah it's in bet who knows they're a whiz with with production for sure gotcha. and then our friends eric and barry at the, uh, the doing the favor podcast check them out figures and merch and sometimes little debbie snacks lots of fun over there as well <laughs> uh our friends at the ringsides podcast daniel spencer's the host over there and he's a referee down in ovw and doing some uh, tna impact uh refereeing as well. So it's cool to get that perspective as well. The ringside podcast. And I always forget oh yes, uh Breaker and Bane, the Breaker and breaker and Bane Power Hour. Always a fun show to listen to. And our friends, one of my favorite podcasts in the world, the Laps Fan Wrestling Podcast, which is a little goofy to get into at first, but the amount of research and effort they put into it is uh I would say not at their own levels for the amount of research they put into stuff. They pull like, they'll talk about a show. They're talking about the Summer Slam Spectacular Show from '93. They'll pull, oh, wow. they'll pull like newspaper articles from the town that show was in and read them. And it's just hilarious because every article is the article just crapping on wrestling because they just like, <laughs> they're like, you know, they, they, they they're, they one of the hosts is an actor, he's a professional actor. Their host is a news reports. So they have a really good, um, I guess, background in this. They'll like make up a whole like monologue about like the some reporter being like, oh, I got to cover this wrestling crap. Well, I'm definitely <laughs> going to mention it's fake in the first sentence. And they always do with like wrestling, which of course isn't real. Look, they have to get digs into people. So it's just so funny. <laughs> Follow them, the Laps fan wrestling podcast. They're the, been around for a while, one of my favorites out there. So, all right, man. You got anything else before we wrap up?
1: No, at this time. At this juncture in the world that we're in right now, kind of lean on those podcasts. Yeah. You know, just to kind of take your mind off things. And, you know, if you can, go support them uh, anyway, even if it's a download, just go and listen. Mm-hmm. Right now, we need this kind of mental break from everything that's going on. I'm cooped up in my house. I can't leave unless I'm going to the grocery store. So yeah, <laughs> like we're like little gophers. Like we're poking our heads out and then we're running back to our cage, you know? <laughs>
0: yeah. And, and you know, here's the deal with all, the, like we're not, we wouldn't talk about everything that's going on now because that's not the point of the show. But at the end of the day, like I love the meme on Twitter where it's like your grandparents went to World War II. You're asked to be, stay inside, and watch Netflix. Just deal with it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, so true so we're That's
0: gonna be those podcasts for you guys out there follow them follow everyone else we're gonna have we're gonna have a lot more fun i feel in the next couple of weeks while we all hang out together Watch social distancing social distancing doesn't have to mean not talk to each other right we will do that so maybe we'll get celeste on too we get the female perspective she's like you guys are so
1: weird (laughs) (laughs) second best mexican restaurant
0: (laughs) oh that's a funny story we'll tell that we like i said well i don't want to reveal anything i don't know if it'll happen but we are going to work on some more fun stuff for you guys so jeff thanks for coming thanks for coming on jeff
1: thank you steve for having me on
0: for sure thanks everyone for listening and we will see you next week